Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 102. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and one of the co-founders of LendIt. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Omer Ismail. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Now, unless you've been hiding under a rock for the last year, you have heard about Marcus. They launched late last year. They're, everyone has been talking about them. They're a fascinating company. They've done some innovative things. But I wanted to get Omer on the show because Omer has been around from the very beginning of Marcus. He was part of uh, really the task force that helped get this off the ground. We go into some depth about the creation of Marcus, why they did it, how they did it. We talk about the brand name. And then also we talk about the platform itself, why they have kind of chosen this particular loan product, how they've structured it, which is in a certainly in a different way to what others have done before. And we also talk a little bit about uh, their culture and what makes Marcus different. It was a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Omer. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Peter. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So let's get started with giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. You know, I, I've heard you have a, you have an interesting personal story that you're like myself. You're not from this country. So can you just give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself? Sure. So I, uh, I grew up in Karachi, Pakistan, and was born and raised there and came to the U.S. almost 20 years ago uh, to attend college. Uh, I went from 70, 80 degree uh, weathers, winter weathers in, uh, in Karachi to less than uh, Less than zero up at uh, up at Dartmouth in uh, in New Hampshire. Oh wow! Uh, when yes. I uh, <laughs> when I graduated, uh, I joined Goldman. I've actually spent uh, my entire career here at the firm. I've uh, been close to fifteen years. Most of that time, uh, I've spent in our private equity business, uh, investing in a range of companies, all the way from uh, early stage uh, startups to uh, to very mature uh, to very mature businesses. And uh, my Marcus story uh, really began about three years ago. You can call me uh, employee zero or employee one, uh, <laughs> but about three years ago, inside our uh, inside our private equity business, uh, I was asked to lead uh, a day-to-day working team to explore opportunities for the firm in the uh, in the consumer banking space. So here here I am. As you know, we launched Marcus by Goldman Sachs last October, uh, and that was a result of the work uh, that we did, uh, three, started three years ago. Okay, great. Well, I, I do want to dig into that uh, right now with, uh, and get a little bit, because I'm, I'm fascinated about it, and I'm, I'm sure others are as well, about, you know, it, how, how this all came to be, because, you know, Goldman Sachs is clearly not, has never been a, a consumer lender, obviously a very successful firm, um, but hasn't uh, really played in this space so I'm curious, first off, with you know how the idea for Marcus really began, because I believe you were in some of these very initial conversations. So can you share how these conversations went and how did the idea come about? Sure. So Peter, as you know, in the financial crisis, coming out of the financial crisis, Goldman Sachs uh, became a bank. Yep. And for... The few years after that, there were a lot of other firm businesses, existing businesses, existing divisions that were using the bank as a legal entity and as a booking vehicle. But the firm had done very little by way of 
new businesses uh, inside the bank. Mm -hmm. And if you fast forward uh, a few years, in the summer of 2014, our division heads and very senior leadership from the executive office got together at an offsite. Uh, this was summer of 2014 to look at growth opportunities for the firm. It was it was an annual offsite um, that they were having, and a lot of the ideas at the time were around businesses or new opportunities within existing divisions. But one idea that my then boss, Rich Friedman, who headed our merchant banking division, still heads our merchant banking division. Uh, and Stephen Scher, who was the chief strategy officer for the firm, you know, one of the ideas that they talked about was new businesses that we could start in the bank. It was really coming out of that offsite that we at the firm formed an internal task force of five senior leaders across different divisions uh, and in our executive office. Uh, and I was asked to lead a team that would report to this task force around new businesses uh, that we could start. So that that really was kind of the origins of what was Project Mosaic at the time and ultimately ended up becoming Marcus. So you, I presume then, you didn't just present this task force with one idea. I mean, I, I imagine there were, there were others. So can you share any kind of insight onto the decision-making process? You know, like, as I have already said, that it just seems like a, it's obviously a departure from anything that, that Goldman has done before. Right. No, no, no question. And quite frankly, as you can appreciate, it's, it's a question that we, we get asked a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm sure, yes. You know, our, our canvas was very broad. What we were looking for were business ideas and opportunities that really sat at the nexus uh, of two main factors. One, we really wanted businesses where we knew there was a significant customer unmet need. There were significant customer pain points. And the second was around opportunities where Goldman Sachs would have a competitive advantage to serve those unmet needs given our approach to risk management, given our technology uh, excellence and our technology DNA, and the fact that we didn't have any legacy. And so quite frankly, that's a very broad canvas. And we looked at a whole host of ideas that fit those two broad parameters. Just looking at the consumer lending space, and, and, and you spend a lot of time uh, obviously in this space, so you know it, is that there are very significant unmet needs that customers have. You know, mm -hmm. we spoke to thousands of customers to really understand what they needed from financial services institutions and what they were getting. And it was obvious around the depth of unmet needs that the customers have and that we, Goldman Sachs, would have an ability to, uh, to serve them. So no question that it was a departure, but we felt like it was an opportunity where we had the ability to provide a significantly better product uh, and a significantly better service to these customers. Okay. So then, so you said you spoke to thousands of customers. I mean, what, did you conduct focus groups? I mean, how did you actually find out what these customers wanted? You know, it was a range, Peter, of different research types. So we did a lot of quantitative research. We did a lot of qualitative research. Some of the qualitative research was in, you know, focus groups of five or 10 people. In some cases, it was actually going to customers' homes with their consent, obviously, and doing in-depth 45-minute or one-hour interviews. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was really a range of research techniques that we adopted to really get into the mind of the customer and understand what it was that they were looking for. So I'll give you some examples of, of the types of things that, that we learned. 
You know, one is clearly customers feel that they were not getting products that offer them value. That was a theme that was repeated over and over and over again. But in addition to value, they felt that, or lack of, of being provided value, they felt that the products were very complex. They weren't simple. They were sick and tired. They are sick and tired of gotchas and non-transparent language. And they want products that aren't cookie cutter. They want products that are customizable. And mm-hmm. these were themes that we noticed in the quantitative research, but then could also really get in depth when we sat down with the customer one-on-one in their home to really understand their financial needs, how they were being served or how they were not being served. Right, right. That makes sense. So then obviously you, 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 make, you make the decision to, to move ahead and we're going to get into some of the details of your platform in a little bit. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time on the brand name because you, you've, you go to your website and it's, it's Marcus by Goldman Sachs. And, and obviously you spend a lot of time thinking about this brand name and I, I'm curious why the name Marcus and also why add by Goldman Sachs to a demographic that may have, I would have thought, a negative opinion of Goldman Sachs when it came to, you know, obviously the, you know, these are, this is, it's, a, it's an organization that historically has served the very wealthy, only the very wealthy. And I'm just curious about the, the whole naming convention. So, uh, Peter, as you can appreciate, there was probably no decision that got more attention uh, <laughs> inside the walls of this building uh, and in the executive office than, you know, what what name we were going to choose, what name we should choose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in the naming uh, convention or the brand name that we were going to choose, as you correctly pointed out, we were we were making two decisions. One decision clearly was what should the business be called? Should it be called Marcus? Should it be called Alpha? What should the name of the business be? And then two, how should it be affiliated or not affiliated with Goldman Sachs? Should we just go with Marcus standalone? Should we go with Goldman Sachs? And the research that we did, and I know you're going to pick up a little bit on a theme here, was rather than, you know, five or six of us with the executive office deciding this around a conference table, we went back out to the customer in order to really decide what should the brand name be. Mm -hmm. And so just in terms of process, we started with 2,000 names. (laughs) <laughs> and we eliminated, we eliminated a lot for linguistic reasons, for legal reasons, you know, some for, you know, just preference reasons and really got down to a core list of 15 or 20 names um, that we liked. And we went back to customers and did research around what brand name would resonate. And Marcus resonated well with the customer base. And that was obviously a very, very the most important factor, but it also had a lot of resonance inside this building. As you know, Marcus Goldman was the founder of Goldman Sachs, Mm -hmm. and it really allowed us to tell a story to our customers around the business that we were starting and the fact that we were serving a, a new customer segment. You know, as it relates to the affiliation with Goldman Sachs, again, the research very clearly showed us that when customers are applying for a personal loan when they are giving a lot of personal information, their social security number, their address, information about their income, the fact that Goldman Sachs stands for credibility 
the fact that the firm has been around for 147 years was a real asset in terms of customers' willingness to engage with us. Uh, it was borne out in the research, and since we have launched, it's been borne out in, uh, in practice since we launched in October. Right. Now, that makes sense. I, I can see how you know, people don't want to, and that, that, with that angle, the personal information, people don't want to give the personal information to Marcus.com, who is just, you know, potentially could be uh, some guy in a garage somewhere that really doesn't have any credibility at all. So I, I, that makes sense to me. So before we move on to actually the platform itself, one more question on the sort of the pre-launch phase of Marcus. How was the this idea viewed inside Goldman Sachs, like in you know, to people who are the other partners and, and and what have you, and just even just the the regular rank and file people inside Goldman, because it's as I said, it's, it's such a departure. Was there was there universal support for this? Was did you have to really champion it? What was the what what's, what was it like inside Goldman? So I I feel like I come to work every day. The team comes to work every single day with thirty thousand plus fans inside these buildings. You know, Marcus, you're, you're correct in pointing out it's a new business for the firm. It's a new customer segment that we, are, that we are directly serving. But it is not a business that cannibalizes anything else inside the firm. And so if you happen to be in the investment banking division or the merchant banking division like I was or the securities business, you know, folks across, uh, across all of our offices really are, are rooting for our success. And, and, and it's new, you know, Goldman Sachs in this format has never really, has never really advertised. We, uh, you know, have a, uh, a public site uh, where customers can engage. So it is, there's no question, as you pointed out, it's new for us, but it's one that, you know, folks across all of our various divisions offices are, are very, very excited about. Right. Okay. So let's 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 dig into the actual the platform itself. I mean, you go you go to your homepage and you've got it right there on your page to you know applying for a loan. It's it's pretty simple. But what can you just explain to the listeners exactly what your loan product is? What's the range of, of rates, terms, amounts, that sort of thing? Sure. Sure. Happy to. So it is an unsecured personal loan. It ranges in size from thirty five hundred to thirty thousand. The rates are from six point nine nine to twenty three point nine nine. The average rate for our customers in, is in the twelve to thirteen percent range. The loan maturities are between two years and six years. And I'll walk through maybe just a couple of the prominent product features, again, all based on customer research. In, in hearing from customers of what they wanted from a loan product. Mm-hmm. So one, back to the theme of value, our product has no fees. It has no origination fees. It has no prepayment fees. It has no late fees. So we, we have no fees ever. The second thing that I would say is that one feature that we heard very loud and clear from customers when we were doing the research phase was around Every loan product that is offered in the marketplace today, customers are asked, how much do you want to borrow and how long do you want it for? And we heard from customers that they don't really think about how much do I want to borrow and do I want it for four years or five years? They really think about it in terms of I want $15,000 and I want to pay $350 a month or $400 a month. And so we have created a user experience that the customer can toggle those two inputs and the maturity actually ends up being an output. 
So you could have a loan that's 25 months, you could have a loan that's 33 months, and so we don't stick to very regular three-year, five-year loans. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are a couple of other examples I can give you of the fact that we have been able to create this product from a clean sheet of paper with no legacy technology using Goldman Sachs' balance sheet really allows us to serve customers and create features that they are, that they are really looking for. Yeah, that, 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 that is when I first noticed when you guys launched that I thought that was a good innovation, particularly the there's, there's no reason why we should offer three year and five year loans, because in this day and age, let's face it, it's just a, it's a mathematical calculation. If it's 33 months or 36 months or 40 months, it's a very simple you know, amortization table can be adjusted very, very easily. And I think that's that, that's been a good a good innovation. I'm surprised that no, that pe- others hadn't hadn't jumped on this. So, so then, what about loan purpose? I mean, we obviously have the, with the lending clubs uh, of the world where there's debt consolidation is the main play here. Is you know, it seems like that's that's your play as well. If you your website leads with debt happens, it's how you get out that counts. I mean, that's so. Is this really a debt consolidation? Is this becoming the? Is this the primary purpose? It is. You know, uh, Peter, back to the planning phases uh, of the product and the business, and I'm sure you're very familiar and your listeners are very familiar with some of these, uh, some of these stats and numbers. You know, there are millions of customers in the U.S., creditworthy, responsible customers uh, that have gotten stuck in cycle of debt for one reason or another. Something happened um, where, you know, they, they broke their ankle while skiing, they're kid had to get braces, there was a leaky roof, and there, there are millions of these customers that are stuck in a cycle of very, very high interest rate credit card debt. And we are providing them with a product that allows them to refinance their debt at rates that are three to 500 basis points lower than what they're paying currently on their card. And so that, that is the main purpose of, uh, of the product today. Obviously, we do have some customers that are choosing it for, uh, for another purpose, but it is uh, a lot of our messaging and our targeting uh, is focused on the debt consolidation market. Okay, so then do you see as, as your competition, I mean, that's what obviously Lending Club and Prosper do the same thing as far as their, their, their core customer. Do you see those people as your competition primarily or is it, are you looking at this as the competition really is the, is the credit card companies? I mean, who, who are you really going after? You know, we, we at Marcus really view our competition as inertia. You know, we've done a lot of proprietary research and you know, 70% of customers in our target segment, so customers that have high credit card debt or high personal loan debt, don't even know that a product like this exists that could allow them to save three to 500 basis points. Mm-hmm. And that really, that, really is our, that really is our competition. A credit card is a very effective way to spend money we believe that a personal loan is a much better way to borrow money to be able to pay it off and get out of the cycle of debt. And so our focus really is on letting customers know that a product like this exists, that it is a better way for them to borrow and get out of the cycle of debt. Okay. So then, so then how, how are you letting these, these customers know? Are you, is, it, is it primarily direct mail? Uh, are you, you know, how, how are you getting the word out? You know, we, we, use, we use a whole host of marketing channels. We do do direct mail, as you mentioned. 
We have a whole host of digital advertising and marketing channels. We use a display, we use paid search, we use search engine uh, optimization. We are also available through some of the aggregator sites. And so uh, there's a wide variety of mediums that we use. We use a lot of uh, social, including Facebook and Twitter. And so we want to reach the customers where they are to be able to let them know that this product offers them the things that we believe they are not getting today. Mm -hmm. This product offers them, as I mentioned, value. It offers them a simple way to sign on. Uh, and it offers them a solution that is really customizable to to their needs. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've been going what been about seven months as we're recording this. You know, can you let us know like how has it been going? Can you share anything about loan volume? You know, performance. How has the the first seven months been? You know, I thought you'd ask me that. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, Peter, I can't share any specifics on numbers, but but I, I'll 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 say a couple of things. One. You know, we're, we're, still, we're still early in terms of uh, when we launched, but in the early days, I would say, you know, knock on wood, we're, we're, feeling, we're feeling pretty good. You know, we obsess about, uh, about data here, and we know that our brand is resonating well in the marketplace. We see our direct mail response rates, which are higher than industry average. We, we're seeing the engagement that our social media posts and content are getting relative to competition, and we feel really good about that. And we really track all of the customer journeys that happen on our site in ways to make sure that where there is room for improvement, we are improving. So can't unfortunately share numbers, but the data so far, early days, we're feeling pretty good about where we are. And, uh, and the forward for the business. Okay. Okay, so then I presume is all of the loans are funded from the bank's balance sheet. Is that, is that correct? You haven't, you don't, you're not taking any outside capital? We are not. The, uh, the loans are funded uh, on GS Bank's balance sheet. And the point that I made around the product feature, for example, where we have the ability to ask customers, how much do you want to borrow and how, long, uh, how much do you want to pay a month? And the fact that the maturity ends up being an output that is really allowed by the fact that we're not creating conforming product to sell. So we think that our, our desire to hold these on our balance sheet is actually a competitive advantage in our ability to, uh, to create products that customers want. You know, I'll give you another example. For customers, you know, we heard in our research that one of the things that really annoys customers is they feel like they are you know, credit-worthy, responsible borrowers, they always pay on time. And then one month, let's say during Christmas, where they have outside spending needs, they want to be able to skip one payment, but they're not allowed to do that, and they get hit by late fees from other, from other lenders. So we've created a product here where if you pay for 12 months on time, you have the ability to skip a payment. Again, we're allowed to have that feature here by virtue of the fact that these are on our balance sheet, and it's not something that we're selling off to the marketplace. So just with that, you are planning on holding these loans through maturity. Is that, is that correct? Then you're not, they're not, there's not going to be a securitization program coming anytime soon? We do not have any plans on that. Okay. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the culture and how, um, it's, how it's different to Goldman Sachs culture, which is obviously fairly well established and, and, often, and often written about. But 
I'm curious, so what is the culture like inside Marcus and how is it similar to a to the regular bank or you know even the the, the 147 year old investment bank I mean how and how is it similar and how is it different so so Peter one thing that uh, you know I I believe you know having been at Goldman 15 years you know Marcus new business for Goldman Sachs new customer segment but Marcus is is Goldman Sachs and Goldman Sachs is Marcus and that is the philosophy with which we have gone about building this business. Now, you are correct. There are some differences between the Marcus culture and some other divisions of Goldman. But quite frankly, there are a lot more similarities in the cultures of Marcus and investment banking or merchant banking, uh, as an example, two, two divisions where I spend a lot of time. And maybe I'll walk you through some of the similarities and then I'll also shed some light on uh, on some of the differences. Mm-hmm. So one you know, at Goldman Sachs, clients come first. Uh, it's something you are taught about the first day that you walk into the firm. It was true the three years that I spent in our investment banking business. It was true the 10 years that I spent in our private equity business. And it is absolutely true in Marcus. We want to create products that serve our customers and our clients' needs. The second thing that I would say about Marcus culture relative to, you know, other parts of the firm is that Goldman Sachs is a star team culture, not a star athlete culture. And, you know, as I mentioned, you know, going from me, you know, employee zero, employee one, to, you know, over, you know, 250 employees that we have today, you know, we have tried to create an ethos of no individual contributors, you know, the team contributes together. And that is, again, true for other parts of the firm, and it's absolutely true for Marcus. Now, there are, there are differences for sure. You know, the floor is a lot more casual. We have a popcorn machine. I've never seen this much food in my life uh, <laughs> in, in, any, uh, in any part of Goldman. I put on more weight than I'd like. <laughs> you know, our chief architect has a nose ring. You know, people wear jeans. So there are definitely aspects that look different relative to uh, folks that work in the investment banking division. You know, we write on everything. We write on our walls. We write on our tables. We write on our windows. Uh, Again, that's very new. But, you know, one of the things, Peter, that's actually been really cool to watch over the last couple of years is how the Marcus culture is now, you know, influencing other, other parts of the firm. So we have a weekly huddle where the entire Marcus team gets together and talks about, you know, a particular topic for the week. I was in a meeting last week with the head of our HCM, Human Capital Management Area, our HR area, and Edith Cooper, who heads up HCM, was telling me that she started having weekly huddles. And I was with uh, the uh, chief technology officer of Goldman, and I went down to his office uh, a couple of days ago, and I noticed that now he has white walls. So it's actually really cool to see how you know, folks in Marcus are actually influencing, um, you know, other other parts of Goldman. Okay. And so where where are these 250 people? Because I know you've got you've got a big uh, facility in Utah, and obviously, you know, New York City. I mean, uh, are they are they sort of in both locations? Or where are the where are they predominantly? So uh, we're roughly split evenly between New York and Utah, all of our loan specialists are in Salt Lake and Utah, the firm actually has uh, a big presence in Salt Lake. You know, one of the uh, one of the things uh, that we heard from customers uh, again in the uh, in the research phase before we launched was the fact that 
clearly customers want to be able to do everything online. They want to be able to do things digitally. But when they want to speak to someone, and debt can be a very emotional topic for them, they want to be able to reach someone right away. And so our loan specialists are in Utah. They're 100% Goldman employees. Uh, they're obviously uh, onshore. And one of the things you may have noticed on our site is that, you know, we don't we don't hide our phone number. Uh, we want to make people we want to make it easy for our customers to be able to do things online. But if you want to reach someone, the phone number is on every page of the site, rather than clicking through six different things to uh, to get to it. And so uh, we are we're very proud of uh, of kind of the uh, the loan specialist center that we have uh, we've created in uh, in Utah for uh, for the Marcus business. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're almost out of time, but I just want a couple more questions. Sure. How how will you measure success for Marcus? I mean, is this do you, you obviously you've got metrics and goals that that you've set for yourself, but is this are you wanting to be the largest consumer lender in the country? I mean, like do what what can you share about about measuring success? So, Peter, the the thing that I'll say is, you know, the the market here is extremely large, and unlike, for example, the investment banking business where. Uh, as I mentioned, I, I, I spent a few years where, you know, we've been number one market share 10 years running. Mm-hmm. You know, that uh, the success of this business is not predicated on on us reaching, you know, those types of numbers. You know, we have a very long term view of this business. And our view is we really want to pick our spots where, as I mentioned, there are significant unmet needs and Goldman has an ability to to serve those customers. And success here will really depend on, you know, is our product resonating, is resonating with our customer base and in the marketplace. And so that, that, really, is, that really is what we are measuring, is the reviews that we're getting on Facebook or the reviews that we're getting on some of the aggregator sites, to the calls that we get into our call center, into our operations center, are we seeing in the voice of the customer the things that we set out to do? And that's really how we're measuring success uh, in terms of as we benchmark it to our goals. Okay. Well, so one final question, Omer. Um, what's, so what's next for Marcus? I mean, there's lots of other lending verticals that you could attack. I mean, there's similar challenges, uh, unmet needs in small business, in student, in auto, real estate. I mean, these are all pretty large segments. So what can you tell me about what, what are your future plans? So what I would say, Peter, is today we do not have any plans to enter another product segment. In order to assess what we might do next, and we look at a lot of different things, the criteria will be exactly the same as we did when we evaluated whether or not we should enter the consumer lending space. One, is the market large, and therefore our success is not predicated on achieving you know, very high market share. Two, there are significant unmet customer needs and pain points. And three, Goldman Sachs has competitive advantages where we can serve the significant customer unmet needs that exist. That will be the criteria with which we'll evaluate any further opportunities. But again, as I said, we're early in the launch of markets. We're very focused on it. And we don't have any immediate plans today of of entering uh, a new business. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. We're out of time, but I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Omer. It was a fascinating conversation. Thank, thank you so much, Peter. Appreciate it. Okay, see you. Take care. 
As I said in the introduction, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about uh, markets by Goldman Sachs really ever since we first found out about it, which was about 18 months ago or even more than that now, where the Goldman Sachs was going to launch a consumer lending platform. It's been, it's been talked about a lot. And I've come to the realization, which has been cemented really after this interview, that you know Goldman is going to be a very strong competitor. The Marcus product is a strong offering. I mean, there's no fees. They've got flexible loan terms. They clearly have approached this whole process in a very thoughtful way. Now, they have 250 people already. They're clearly already one of the larger platforms in, in the US there. You know, I, I feel like they have got all the sort of everything in place for this for them to be a big success. Uh, some people have said in the past that they think Goldman is uh, is going to struggle. You know, I'm sure they're going to have some challenges along the way, but I'm certainly not going to bet against them. I think that Marcus by Goldman Sachs is going to end up being a very successful business for them. Thankfully, I think the market is big enough for everyone. Uh, as Omer said, that you know their biggest competitor they feel is inertia. I feel like right now it's still we have a, a product that is still not sort of front of mind of all consumers as it should be. And I think Marcus is going to, in many ways, help the industry with sort of providing this sort of installment loan product should be really front of mind of all consumers. And I think you know, when that happens, you know, clearly there's going to be enough business for many, many companies to succeed in this space. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye.